You can join the fight to defend employee-funded and association PACs by texting NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. This show is brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. And I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. Today, we mark our first podcast anniversary, 40 episodes under our belt. It is hard to process all that has transpired over the last year for all of us, personally and professionally. But in a way I never expected, this podcast has helped tremendously, Adam Belmar. I feel it too. It was a bold experiment on April 2nd, 2020, when we launched Facts About Packs, Michaela. The reality of COVID and, and work from home was an enormous shock to everyone's way of life and doing business. And for NABPAC and the Employee Funded and Business Association PAC community, the dislocation and isolation brought on by this pandemic was suddenly paralyzing. Yeah, it really was. And this podcast represented a road back to connection in many ways, a way forward for our membership. And as it turned out, a great vehicle for learning from one another. Ain't that the truth. Over the last week, we took the time to examine the insights, leadership, and innovation shared by our many guests this past year. We've heard from some very wise and insightful and brave PAC professionals, Michaela, and over the course of this episode, we're going to share much of that again. And not out of nostalgia, but because the voices in our community that have engaged in this show have proven to be very prescient. And let me echo you here, Adam, when I say, ain't that the truth? I have never been more proud of NABPAC and the important work our membership does than I am today. Before we get into it, our podcast anniversary look back at the year that was, let me send a special thanks to our dear friend, Abigail Cave. She was every bit the co-anchor of this podcast, and you will hear her voice along the way today starting right now. Well, thank you both. I appreciate your kind words, but enough of that sappy stuff. I'm going to tell you this one more time, Belmar, roll that beautiful bean footage. The Facts About PAX podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam, and, and special thanks to Abigail Cave. I sure do miss her. This show has built momentum and strength based on the participation and leadership of our NABPAC members. We have had many of the greatest pros in our industry on the podcast, Adam, and, and episode after episode, I've learned so many important things. You know, Michaela, the harsh truth about the original COVID response from Congress was that associations got left out of the PPP program. This was a huge problem in our industry, and it became an existential threat to many NABPAC members. And it was definitely at the top of our minds in episode two, when we turned to our very own lobbyist, Darren Parks from Federal Street Strategies. Let's listen to what he had to say back in April, 2020. There were a lot of, of holes in that Paycheck Protection Program, as, as you know, but so many member organizations of NABPAC that are trade associations, 501c6s, other non-taxed entities that were left out, but still have a tremendous impact on the American economy in terms of the number of jobs that they have, the industries that they represent, and ensuring that you know those folks are able to keep their jobs. 
You know, Adam, the PPP effort just feels almost like a lifetime ago. It's hard to believe that was one of our very first discussion points at the outset of the pandemic. And then, you know, we talked with John Mason, a leader within NABPAC, and he joined us very early on in our podcast experiment. And listening to his words from last May really makes you realize that pack managers not only play a vital role in companies, but that they are a training ground for honing communication skills and finding solutions. We all really manage a small business within our own companies, you know, that's what, that's what a pack is, whether from a corporate or association perspective. So I've taken those skills of communication, critical thinking, collaboration, and leadership and used them in my lobbying role to message our perspective on legislative and regulatory issues to stakeholders. The PAC has shown me and given me a voice in the room and clarity on communicating with people from various backgrounds. Mason is a great talker. And so when he communicates, I think people sit up and they really hear him, Michaela. And he was making this point, as you mentioned back in May, but he was on it all year long. He was telling it to folks inside Altria. He was sharing it with our members. He was taking leadership roles at DE&I as NABPAC moved forward there. And then at the very end of the year, John Mason was also, again, very prominent in reminding everybody that the jobs that they're doing in the PAC space are meaningful beyond their companies. They not only give a voice and get people at the table and engaged, but they have a, a real impact in getting people out to the polls. And the polls was really something that folks were already thinking about during primary season, Michaela. We had Joe Good from American Strategies on to detail their public opinion survey back in May. And at the time, it felt like really good information. Do you remember that conversation, Michaela? Oh, I do. It's hard to believe. Well, now it feels like he was incredibly prescient. In our poll, when we changed the conversation to asking people to think about the elections, voters were very concerned about the virus's impact on turnout. 68% think that the virus is going to have a very big or a fairly big impact on how people turn out, whether people turn out to vote in November or even in their primary elections. You know, Adam, what's just so interesting about this, the 68% that the virus is going to have a very big or fairly big impact on how people turn out. And then to know what we know now with, you know, close to 150 million voters in this election. And honestly, the way many of the states handled the vast number of voters was pretty remarkable. Absolutely. Uh, part of that discussion back in May of 2020 was about how much unanimity there was in public support for making it easier for people in light of the pandemic to vote. That included mail-in voting. It included drop boxes. It included the kind of innovations that people were heralding as a great response to get people to come out and feel safe. Now, a lot of this is being looked at through different lenses, especially on the right. But the truth is, Americans understood that COVID was going to be a challenge. They had concerns not only about their own safety, but what it would ultimately mean. And for us to have had the largest turnout in modern American history, undeniably an important and successful experience in that regard. Absolutely. And as we were contemplating how the elections might turn out here at NAPAC, we continued to be on our mission and defending business association and employee funded PACs from misinformation and educating the public about 
misperceptions has been a big part of our mission here at NAPAC and, and on the Facts About PACs podcast. Back in July, when Mary Ryan Douglas from the American Pharmacists Association joined the show, she really drove that point home, Adam. One of the things that are most important for moving forward are just acknowledging that money in politics sounds bad to a lot of Americans. And we need to help clarify that narrative internally to members of Congress and candidates and to the public. Yeah, Mary Ryan is a wonderful professional. She's had opportunity to serve in multiple roles across a large system, but she came home to work on a PAC because she felt that it was a really fundamentally important way to enfranchise people and bring common voice together with some power. And she was absolutely right that clarifying that narrative internally to members of Congress and candidates and to the public was critical then. It is even more important if it could be so, Michaela, today. It really is. And I've watched her work a room and explaining who we are as an industry. And there really is no one more credible. She really brings incredible perspective. To your point, with her background coming from the DCCC, she really has done a fabulous job. And then later that same month, perhaps the coup de grace for facts about PACs, the one that put us over the top and made us the number one PAC podcast in America, the newly installed chairman of the Federal Elections Commission. Trey Trainer made this podcast, Facts About Packs, one of his very first media hits. And he sat down, Michaela, for a conversation that you led. And my goodness, his message to our membership and the public about employee funded and business association PACs being voluntary, regulated, and transparent was very resonant with what Mary Ryan had to say. And he encouraged all of us to continue to engage in the process. You know, from from the standpoint of, of working with business PACs that have a separate segregated fund, the more you can get out there and do what you're doing with facts about PACs and talking about that issue, the better off we'll be for people to understand those differences. And I and it's a it's a it's a nuanced difference very hard for the general public to understand, but it's a critical one because we want to make sure that everybody has a voice in the process. And especially for members of the PACs that you deal with, where the employees are voluntarily making a choice to participate. I mean, they're clearly exercising a First Amendment right that they have to both better their work environment, to help their companies do better, to get better regulations, Uh, those type of things. And from what I've seen, most business packs are in a lot of ways nonpartisan. I mean, they, you know, they'll play both sides of the aisle because they're trying to get to the best regulatory or legislative outcome, not necessarily an ideological outcome of a particular candidate. He really drove home the point about PACs in many ways are nonpartisan. Uh, And, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about that in light of all of the focus on business PAC community since the January 6th attacks. And so having that voice and someone from his position to be able to talk through many of the things we've been saying was fabulous. This next clip, Michaela. It's one of my favorites, and not just because Kit Maloney, who's a great human at NFIB, was focusing on the importance of a transparent process around candidate criteria and political giving, but because it stands up even better today. In April of 2021, 
than it did back when he said it in July, because we have had withering criticism leveled at our community since January. And the one thing that people have turned to, have leaned on, has been their transparent process of enfranchisement, whether it's an association group with their members or it's all of the stakeholders and employee-funded PACs. Michaela, let's listen to Kit Maloney. This was August 2020. Part of our process at NFIB for choosing who we will endorse and financially support depends on some pretty strict criteria. As everyone knows, NFIB is a small and independent association, and we focus on the business issues that are important to small business owners. And the interesting thing about the way that we function as an organization is our members tell us the most important things facing them. And that's through a ballot process where each member gets one voice and one vote. And we use that as our guiding principles for how we work with either state or federal elected officials on our members' behalf. So those issues that are determined by our members become kind of a scorecard that we rate votes that determine where a candidate, an incumbent, or an open seat challenger might stand on the issues that are important to our membership. And then based on that, if you are at 70% or higher, you are eligible for endorsement and financial support. You know, talk about standing the test of time. I mean, really, to your point, the last three months has been a moment of reflection, review, going back and looking at your contribution criteria, making sure that you have the sound policies and procedures in place. And here we had Kip Maloney from NFIB, you know, really driving that point home about how important those processes are. And I would, I would just say that, you know, the vast majority of our members are going to be able to move forward, I think, in, in even stronger positions. Yeah, in the week to come, we are reading out yet another critical industry survey from NABPAC that explores what our memberships across corporations and associations have done since January. They are beginning to re-engage. They have taken the hard look at the processes they put in place. And you know what? It's no secret that a lot of those processes have stood up to the pressure test, that the voices in the room are making the decisions and driving those correct criteria. So a lot of people are back on track and rightfully so, but that's not the only hard issue we've tackled both as an industry and on this podcast this last year, Michaela. Yeah, you know, getting back to what you said about having those hard conversations, I don't know that there's been a more difficult time for our pack managers in this moment, but having those hard conversations and that direct interaction with a pack manager are keys to building and keeping a pack healthy. Uh, and as you know, NAPAC has been focused on this issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion across our industry. And back in October, we were joined by Tracy J. Edmond, formerly of Anthem, and now a highly sought-after DEI consultant. And, and she shared a very personal story about her own reticence to get involved with her company's employee-funded PAC when Abigail Cave asked her this question. Tracy, what was your experience at Anthem when it came to interacting with the employee-funded PAC? Oh, you know, this is, um, I'm going to keep it completely 100 on this, this conversation. When I rose to the executive ranks, you know, you're, you're bombarded with a lot of things that, as leaders, you really do need to show up and support. And the PAC was one of them. And I had not participated in the PAC until that point. 
And my main reason for that is my perception of the pack. My main perception was twofold. One, I could not identify another African-American leader who engaged in the pack that I was aware of. Now, they did exist, but it was on the down low. And it was treated like something that you had to do. You didn't want to be on the wrong side of not supporting your part of what you need to do as an executive leader. But I wasn't aware as I was climbing the ranks. The second thing is what I didn't know is how they were supporting issues that mattered to me. I was very aware of the issues that they were supporting that were very visible. And as a healthcare company, many of those issues seem to align in more of a Republican perspective. Now, I had a different perspective on some of the issues. Some of the issues I agreed with, some of them I didn't. But the things that were very, very visible, I couldn't connect them to my experience and to my community. And so when I was approached to be in the pack, I'm like, no, that's okay. You know, I probably was one of the executive leaders who was like, I don't care if I'm on the wrong side of this one because I needed to stand in my principles. And what I appreciated was, this was a vulnerability moment. Our PAC leader, and I gotta give a shout out to Tracy Wynn, who is a part of the NAPAC organization. I wanna give her a shout out because we had a very real conversation about why I didn't wanna do it. And we unpacked that together. And she talked to me about how, how the PAC works, what it supports, how decisions are made behind what issues we get behind, um, and that helped, and I signed up. But that connection to diversity, inclusion, vulnerability. So first of all, we had a very authentic and vulnerable conversation. Now, Tracy and I knew each other, so that helped a little bit. But what is really critical here is that the conversation, the dialogue, the willing to sit down and say, this is my perspective on this issue, and this is your perspective on this issue. And through conversation, we got to a really great place. And I think actually in this environment we're in, we need so much more of that. You know, so much more open dialogue, real conversation about differences. Nobody keeps it 100 more <laughs> than Tracy J. Edmonds. And she is not only a, a great asset to NABPAC as our consultant, she's just written this amazing book called Wild Hair, but she was really getting at something that our PAC managers know all too well. And Tracy Wynn, who is our current NABPAC president, embodies this. She is courageous and bold and always ready to pick up the phone and have a conversation. And when there is a disagreement. It's a calm and honest conversation. And in the case of Tracy J, it made a real difference for her. She's open-minded and absolutely honest about what she was worried about, but found her way to yes. It's not always that case, Michaela, but when PAC managers do the one-to-one -one hard conversations and hard work, what are we finding? That people are sticking with the PAC, they believe in that mission. Yeah, I think what she said was just incredibly important because even when she had that tough conversation with, with Tracy Wynn back in the day, it was more about getting her involved and joining as a PAC member. And it almost the reverse has happened in this environment. And like she said, in this environment, when we need you know so much more of this sort of open dialogue, real conversation about the differences, our PAC managers have found that they've been able to retain their members it may not be about necessarily joining, but making sure that they continue to be involved and engaged in their political action programs 
despite uh, just this, you know, sort of political rhetoric that's going back and forth and so much misinformation more than ever. You know, we did a five part series at the end of the year as we were running up to the election because our pack managers of every stripe were incredibly busy. It was about get out the vote. It was about answering questions and making sure that the mission got service and that people knew where to go. But we all know what happened after that. There was a lot of confusion, and that's an understatement, about what actually transpired on the 3rd of November. And in the wake of what happened in January, our industry, Michaela, has endured some unprecedented scrutiny by journalists and attacks by lawmakers about the role of PACs in our political system. And what have we done here at NAPAC and Facts About PACs? We have brought forward the data that tell the truth about how traditional PACs operate and what effect they really have on our politics. And in March, we were joined by a leading light in that political science realm, Princeton PhD by the name of Professor Mike Barber, who is a leader at Brigham Young University. And he's been studying this topic, Michaela, for his entire career. And beyond the soundbite that you're about to hear, it's important for everybody listening to this podcast to recognize that all of this truth, this data is available because of the transparency, accountability, and regulation that surround business PACs. In the 2018 cycle, the typical candidate for Congress raised somewhere north of 75% of their money from individual contributors, which means that the remaining 25% was either party contributions or interest groups. And so individuals are certainly the lion's share of donations now, Whereas 20 or 30 years ago, that was much closer to parity in terms of individual versus interest group contributions. That has really important implications because if we look at the types of legislators who raise most of their money from individuals, it tends to be the types of legislators who are also very partisan, who vote almost always along party lines. They're very often the types of people who are going to take ideological stances. They're not going to be willing to compromise. And so these are the types of legislators that individuals want. They look for those types of candidates to support. And what you end up getting is a legislature that's full of ideological firebrands instead of people who are really interested in kind of putting their heads down and, and getting some work done and, and compromising and pushing out some legislation. You know, I thought Mike Barber and having him on the show was just incredibly timely and important for many of our PAC managers. You know, this has been a really difficult and challenging time. And I think many probably have questioned, you know, even in their own ways, why we do what we do. Um, and to understand the science behind it and to, to really have that validation that the work we are doing is educating bringing more folks in, engaging them in the process, that we do have that moderating voice in politics, I think really was something that our members needed to hear at the right time. Oh, absolutely. Because after 40 years of zero adjustment to PAC contribution limits in the face of contribution increases that have happened repeatedly over time, Professor Barber makes the point that 75% of the money that congressional candidates are raising are now coming from individual contributors. That doesn't mean that PACs are irrelevant. They are very relevant, but held back. 
And when you couple that with the idea that working towards compromise and action and legislation that pushes the cause forward, whatever that may be, it helps to point out that employee funded and association PACs are not ideological firebrands and that they give to both sides because they seek unanimity to move the process forward. That sets us apart. That is a fact about PACs that we will never stop talking about and the science supports it. We've talked to David K. Rare, David Schild, folks who have made a career both in the business and now mentoring and educating political professionals going forward. That mentorship role is really important in PACs within companies. And it's another fact that we're going to continue to talk about as we go forward in our second year. I've never had a podcast anniversary before, but I'm so glad that I'm having it with you and with NABPAC. I know. Well, Adam, I mean, it goes without saying we wouldn't be where we are today without you, but we will continue to bring the same level of enthusiasm and excitement and guests to this show as we move into our second year. And while I miss Abigail, it's been a pleasure and honor to work with you alongside you, Adam, as, as our co-host of the number one pack podcast in America. And to our entire audience, we know what you do for a living matters. We appreciate you and we recognize that transparency, accountability, and advocacy are something that we hold very dear and that we are unabashed about. Well, on that note, I want to thank everyone listening and sharing the number one PAC podcast in America, and, and we really couldn't have made it to year two without you. The Facts About PACs podcast remains dedicated to promoting the most transparent and regulated form of political giving and the amazing professionals who lead their employee-funded and business trade association packs. We'll be here with a new episode next week, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.